Thank you for listening to this episode of Pit Stop, which means this episode is about Formula One specifically. If you enjoy this content and want more F1, let us know on Twitter or Instagram at lunchpailguys underscore and subscribe on your favorite podcast channel. Thank you for joining the Lunch Pail Guys podcast Pit Stop Edition. This is Jared podcasting alongside Lucas. You know what Pit Stop means. We're talking Formula One. We're going to start off just with the crazy news that has been going on. Uh, I feel like the Formula One silly season has never ceased to disappoint. Uh, Even though there's Mm -hmm. only 20 seats available, it seems to somehow be as exciting as free agencies and other sports where there's all kinds of roster spots available. So, Lucas, we're going to talk about first... I mean, so we're going to talk about a couple things. Sebastian Vettel announced that he's going to retire at the end, at the end of the season. <clears throat> that left an open seat at Aston Martin. When we wrote this outline, by the way, none of this had happened yet. We just said <laughs> that Sebastian Vettel retired. Chaos, yeah. Uh, it left an open seat at Aston Martin, which Fernando Alonso then took. So there's an open seat at Alpine, Yuki Tsunoda's seat at AlphaTauri. Technically, Lance Stroll's seat at Aston Martin is <laughs> still open. Uh, Nicholas Latifi seat at Williams, Albon seat at Williams, Guan, Zhou Guan Yu seat at Alfa Romeo, and Mick Schumacher seat at Haas. Um, those seats are all open. We thought that uh, Oscar, Oscar Piastri, Piastri was going to take the Alpine seat, and Alpine even announced that today. Then Oscar Piastri tweets that not only that he did not sign the contract, but that he won't <laughs> race for Alpine next year. So. I don't know, Lucas. Why don't you just take the floor then? Like, you can t- say a few words on Vettel as well if you'd like, and then we can talk, kind of talk about some of the open seats, however you want to take mm-hmm. it. Yeah, let's start with Vettel because I think yeah. like that had been the the lead in that we'd initially planned before <laughs> chaos broke loose, like in the last like twelve hours today. Um, for Seb, I, I don't have a ton to say other than I think he's making a good decision at this point to to hang it up. Like he's clearly an all time great, good guy, four time world drivers champion, but. It's just been sort of a slow fall from grace since his last title. His move to Ferrari never really panned out as much as they would have liked. Never won a WD World Drivers Championship there. And it was clear that at this point, like the Aston Martin is just not competitive. And I think it's probably hard for him to not compete after all those years at the top, first with Red Bull and then with Ferrari, even if he didn't make it there. Um, I think he's just kind of gracefully calling it a day at a point where it's like, I don't know, things are over at this point. So, you know, thank you, Seb. Great driver, great racer. But I think he's like... He's going out on his own terms um, and not extending his stay, unlike Fernando Alonso, maybe, <laughs> and some other people. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm happy for him. But, I mean, his move is most important because it did set off the absolute chaos that has been the last couple of days in terms of uh, F1 driver silly season, which I don't even know. The Piastri thing's crazy because, like, it is. he was probably asleep. When they announced it, because <laughs> people were talking about like in Australia, there were a bunch of tweets that was like, "Oh, like Piastri waking up, seeing that he's an F one driver and all that sort of stuff," and then he woke up and he's like, "Actually, no, I'm not on this team." And that's just like, I wonder what sort of miscommunication might have happened there. Like, mm-hmm. is it like something like built in because he has a relationship with the Alpine with Alpine that Alpine's like, "Oh, we can just promote him automatically," and he has no say in it. I'm guessing maybe that was it, but I've never seen anything like this in any sport. <laughs> where a like a, a player has like a team has announced a player or a driver or whatever the situation is and then mm-hmm. the player driver is like actually no so like i don't even know where it goes from here i think like the the, the working like thought is that he'll probably go to the mclaren seat at this point but like 
that seat is still technically filled. So like, I don't right. even know what to think about that. So I don't know. What thoughts do you have about it all? Yeah. Um, well, so I think on Vettel, yeah, I was not, <clears throat> I've never, I was, hadn't been a fan of Formula One when Vettel was like relevant on track, I guess. So I don't really have too mm-hmm. many thoughts about him as a driver. I know he was hated when he was on the Red Bull teams, uh, apparent mm-hmm. from the YouTubers I watched and stuff that he was very much hated when he was with Red Bull. Um, but, um, I think he kind of was laying his exit strategy in terms of all the off track stuff he's involved with. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think he's definitely going to be motivated to pursue all of that for sure. Um, and like you mm-hmm. said, I think it's a good move on his part, probably. Um, and he doesn't want to fight at the back of the grid, I'm sure. Uh, or, yeah. And he said that, so yeah. Um, in terms of how the Alpine C and Oscar Piastri situation is going to go, I guess it's going to go to court or something. Uh, I, feel, I feel like <laughs> unless McLaren and Alpine like figure out something behind the scenes, some sort of mm-hmm. like deal. So I, I, so what I think happened is they wanted Alonzo back for one year. Mm-hmm. Alonzo is like, I want a multiple year deal because Alonzo is driving way too good for Alpine, like to drop him. It was driving yeah. way too good. Mm-hmm. And I think the sticking point was like, how long do they does he want to be there? Mm-hmm. Aston Martin, I think in it, so I think Alonzo was kind of just like miffed at that a little bit mm-hmm. and was like, all right, fine, Aston Martin's gonna offer me a multi year deal, I'm going there. And I think mm-hmm. it was a, maybe a little emotional and maybe rash decision from Fernando Alonso. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, Aston Martin seems to be very committed and pouring a lot of resources in via uh, Lawrence Stroll, mm-hmm. but he's not gonna be. I don't know if he's gonna be fighting for wins. In like no, that's three right. years, maybe at the earliest, probably. By what point is what like forty five at that point? Right, it's too late. I feel like for his like F one career, like I think that like Alpine is very clearly, and we'll talk about this later, like a team on the rise mm-hmm. and is like doing really well this year. Like even though they haven't scored a podium yet, like I think they're like projected to like pro- projecting out to like be there. So I'm like, it just like from a pure competitiveness standpoint, it doesn't make any sense. Which is why you're right. I think he just must have been like pissed about like what happened and stuff so yeah, that's I what know. i think um yeah okay well let's make some a couple of predictions then on what's yeah. what we think is going to happen so so the first one was the aston martin seat which then got taken t- taken by fernando alonso before that happened mm-hmm. by the way i said pierre gasly i don't know if you no. if, if you had any thoughts on that before fernando alonso went I only started doing the outline after it was official, so <laughs> okay, no. there. So I have nothing else to say. I think it would have been a good move for Aston Martin. I don't yeah. know if it would have been, been as good a move for Gasly. It seems kind of like a lateral move at this point. Like I guess it gets More them out of their like Red Bull system, yeah. Which yeah. is it? Like your growth is always capped at Alcatari. Um, so yeah, I guess it's in freeing himself up. It's a little bit of an upgrade, but okay, it doesn't matter because Fernando's there. <laughs> right, exactly. All right, so let's start with the Alpine seat then. Who do you think is driving in that seat next year? I think Danny Rick. Oh Maybe. shoot, that'd be so interesting. He, if that I think happened. he goes. I think he goes back after leaving there two yeah. years ago. I think just like the way the seats are going to fall out, I think Piastri's gonna take the McLaren seat away from Danny Rick. He's going to be a free agent. I don't think he'd go to Williams. Um, I don't think, but there's always a possibility. Um, but I think Alpine is looking for, like, a known commodity after all this chaos. Like, they don't want to, like, take a risk on something again like Piastri. And Danny Rick, like, while he's been falling behind a little bit the last few years and everybody's seen it, I think that he is a known commodity, you know? And so for that reason, Alpine will want that solidity. Yes, he left two years ago, but he'll be a solid driver in a solid car. And so I think he goes to Alpine. 
What do you think? I think Pierre Gasly now. I think he's the best okay. driver available. Uh, in, or he's not even really technically available. He's under contract. But mm-hmm. obviously contracts don't matter, as we've seen with the Piastri situation. We saw that with yeah. the Sergio Perez situation when Vettel replaced him. That apparently mm-hmm. contracts don't really matter in Formula 1. Um, and I think if Gasly's agent does not get him that Alpine seat, you have to go to a different agent. Like Gasly, like yeah. this might be his last chance to get out of that Red Bull system, be mm. on a team that like, like AlphaTauri is never, I don't think, I think it's like the one team on the grid I literally could never see like fighting for champions championships. Yeah. They're like a minor league team kind of, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, so I think if you're Gasly, you got to get out of there. And get out of there, get out of there while your stock is still somewhat high because AlphaTauri's not giving you a car right now to even show what you can do. And his yeah. stock was super high last year, and it's kind of mm-hmm. like taking a hit just because AlphaTauri is not giving him a good car, really. Um, yeah. So I think you got to go to. I think it's a good match for both sides. He's a French driver. You have an all French lineup mm-hmm. for Alpine. That'd be cool. And yeah. um, I think the potential for Alpine is there, where it's not an AlphaTauri. So yeah, I think Pierre Gasly. I think I could definitely see it as well. I think it like is a move that makes sense for all parties involved as well. And in yeah. sort of the vein of like needing an established driver. Yeah. That as well. Yeah. Um, I think I'm pretty sure vaguely I read a story that Alcon and Gasly don't like each other too. So that'd be kind of interesting if that happened. Might be mm. maybe some sparks will fly. But some actual drama on like the manufactured drama between like Danny Rick and Lando. Exactly. Survive last year. I saw that. I saw like a couple tweets that were like, Netflix doesn't have to make anything up this year because there's already enough drama. <laughs> exactly. So, okay. Uh, let's go to the next A team, AlphaTauri. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, what AlphaTauri, let's say Yuki Sonoda seat, I guess, because in my scenario, mm-hmm. there's technically two seats available. Yeah. But in your scenario, there's only one seat, right? Yeah, and I think Yuki probably keeps it. Like, I think that okay. he's done enough to give himself one more year. He's been pretty close with Pierre this season to the point where it's like there hasn't been such a dramatic difference that I think, like, AlphaTauri will really want to change it up. Um, and it's just been hard even to tell him the car this year because it's just been so abysmal compared to last year's. And I feel like Yuki's probably doing, like, a decent job comparatively to how he could be doing. So, I don't know. I feel like that he's done enough to earn at least, like, probably, like, a one-more-year contract or something just to see how it plays out. What do you think? I think Yuki actually will not return. I think Jahan, I'm going to pronounce this wrong. I don't really watch Formula 1, but Jahan Daruvula, he's mm-hmm. fifth in the F2 standings and he's in like the Red Bull Junior program. But yeah. I feel like Red Bull's a ruthless program. They're going to shake it up and see what they have in other situations just because Yuki crashes a little too often as well. Mm-hmm. And yes, he has definitely closed the gap points-wise, but I think it's just because there's less points available for them to scrap over a little bit. That's fair. For me. Mm-hmm. Um, and Helmet Marcos called him a problem child. So, <laughs> so uh, It's never a great sign for your That's not a good sign. Team. I feel like Red Bull's pretty ruthless, and they want to see what they got in other drivers. So I'm going to say Daruvla in it from F2. Fair enough. Um, and then also, I guess I'll go again, because AlphaTauri in my scenario would have another seat open, vacated mm-hmm. by Gasly. I- I'm going to say Liam Lawson Again, I don't watch Formula 2, but I've heard his name thrown around a lot and that he's kind of like a a big talent. He's only 8, mm-hmm. but I feel like he's probably next in line in the Red Bull Junior Academy. And you might as yeah, well see exactly. what you have. Um, and like kind of plan ahead for when Sergio Perez, his contract is up in 2024, potentially they might want to put one of those two up there. And I don't think I, like, I don't think I see them doing that to Yuki, bringing him up to the, the main team, so... No, I don't think so either. Yeah, which is a tough situation for him. Where I feel like at this point his like growth is kind of capped out. 
Yeah, I, but, I, I wouldn't want to be in the Red Bull Junior program almost. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. Um, let's go to the, all the way to the other side of the alphabet with Williams. <laughs> uh, technically, two seats open. Um, what do you think are their two seats next year? I think Alex Albon will stay as one of the seats. Um, he scored points in the car. That is just like horrific. I think he's like <laughs> shown that he's been capable enough to like earn another year. So I think Alvin stays for another year and he seems to be fitting like nicely in the culture of the team and all that. The second one, and this is going to kind of play into the, the next one we'll talk about, but I think it's going to be Joe Guan Yu that's going to be in the second Williams oh, seat. Interesting. Um, I, I think, and we'll get to Alpha in a second. I think okay. Alpha's going to drop him. Um, and I think that Latifi's obviously not coming back. Um, and, Joe, though, he's like, he's been inconsistent, um, especially when his team has been doing so well. I think he's done enough to earn, like, probably at least another year in an F1 car. And I think Williams, again, they don't want to take a chance on somebody new. I think they'll want a known commodity. And Joe has at least one year under his belt. And so I think for that reason, he'll get the second seat. Dang, that's about interesting. you with Williams? Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be Alex Albon as well in one of those seats. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, he's definitely better than Latifi. And... For the second seat, like you said, it seems like it's been a foregone conclusion, Conclusion, I guess, that Latifi's not returning at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. I had Piastri there. That's definitely where I thought he was going to go, mm-hmm. and I don't think he's going to go there now. Um, I guess I'll say Logan Sargent. I don't really have – he's there. He's um, making a run right now. He's an American F1 driver. Mm-hmm. And he's making a run right now in F2, and he's going to be driving, I think, their car in FP1 in Spa or one of the mm-hmm. races. So – that's probably what I think is going to happen, um, but we'll see. Yeah. So what about that Alfa Romeo seat then? What, who's going there? I'm curious. I think it's going to be Theo Porcher. Okay. Um, he, he's in F2 right now. He's a member of the Salber Academy. He is apparently being uh, sort of groomed to be their golden child and has been for the last little while. Okay. And he's now, he'll be 19 next year. I think he's like sort oh. of like reached the level where like he, he'll be at the age where he can take the seat. Um, and I think that like Joe Guan Yu has, hasn't done a, a good enough job for them in their minds, um, to maybe hold on to him. Uh, especially when they see, have this like golden child with like so much potential and stuff like that. So I think Theo Porcher takes the seat next year. Um, and we'll see what happens with that. What do you think about the second half of the seat? I think it's Joe Guan Yu. Um, I think he's had an anonymous season, but he's been really affected by DNFs and like some bad luck, I think. Yeah. He's done pretty good a couple times in qualifying. He's made it into Q3. I think he's a pretty solid driver that he just needs some time to get his wheels under him a little bit more. So I don't think that seat's going to change. Yeah. And then last, I believe, but not least, is the Haas seat. It's got to be Mick. I think Mick's done enough. Like, I think that, like, you know, he hasn't been, like, elite, but especially since about Miami when he got into the crash with Vettel. He's got some points finishes. He's like shown that he can like compete in that car, and so I think for that reason, I think Mick gets the seat. What do you think? I also agree. I think Mick gets the seat. Um, it's definitely precarious. His seat is definitely like precarious. It's not very secure. But I don't know what mm-hmm. Haas's other options are going to be. Um, so like if Piastri, if we're su- assuming Piastri goes to McLaren, I don't think Danny Rick wants to drive for Haas. Um, no. I think Danny Rick goes to NASCAR actually if he's not um oh. if he's not in Formula 1. Apparently he I wants to that. drive he wants to drive he said he wants to drive in NASCAR. Mm-hmm. Um and the Schumacher name is good for sponsorships. So and which I think Haas definitely factors in. 
It's also, I think, believed to be a Ferrari seat, so they need to have a Ferrari-approved driver, which they would want. Ferrari mm-hmm. probably would want Mick over, like, Antonio Giovinazzi, who's apparently not yeah. having a good season in Formula E. So I think Mick Schumacher, for sure. Agreed. Yeah. Plus, the Schumacher name just keeps him around, you know? Yeah, exactly. So what do you, what do you think is the, the future for Danny Rick if, if Piastri is indeed taking that McLaren seat? I think he goes to Alpine still. Like, that's still my prediction. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Sorry. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I could see him going to NASCAR at that point. He seems to love America, too. So like. Yeah, he, he does. He definitely yeah. does. Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of Alpine, despite a poor performance in Hungary, uh, their P4 in the Constructors' Championship ahead of chief rivals McLaren. I predicted this before the season started. You did. Uh, I like that you added that to the outline because I appreciate <laughs> it. Your recognition of my talents. But, Jared... Is El Plan going according to plan? And what factors are in Alpine's favor for starting uh, to fight uh, for race wins and championships? Okay, so I don't even have any notes for this because of everything that's happened today, basically. (laughs) So it's going to be a little bit off the cuff. I thought that El Plan definitely was coming together and going really Mm -hmm. well. I guess we can't call it El Plan anymore, though, because Alonzo's not there and he's the one that's doing (laughs) this. Um, Yeah. Because I felt like they had the advantages that they make their own engine and they're the only team that uses their their engine mm-hmm. so they can optimize yeah. it for them. They don't have to worry about other customer teams and all that stuff. And we know that like as recently as 2013, they had the expertise to build a championship winning engine from mm-hmm. their Renault days when they were powering uh, Red Bull back in those mm-hmm. days. But now it kind of seems like maybe they're not actually run that well if they're confirming drivers uh, on on their grid that don't actually want to race for them. Fernando mm-hmm. Alonso has said goodbye to them, mm-hmm. which, like I said, it I think it's more that he was kind of miffed that they didn't want to, like offended and slighted that they didn't want to keep him on for multi-years. But mm-hmm. maybe he, he kind of got in there and was like, actually, they don't really know what they're doing. I don't really see a long-term plan here. I'm getting mm-hmm. out of here. That's what Danny Rick did too. He was like, mm-hmm. I don't also see, I don't see the long-term plan. I'm getting out of here. And since, I mean, I've only been watching Formula 1 for a couple years, but I haven't seen, like, a genuine midfield team crack into that top three tier Mm -hmm. yet of Mercedes, Red Bull, Ferrari. Mm -hmm. So I got to think that maybe there's something wrong there at Renault now, or Alpine now. Like, it doesn't seem like, I don't know, that they run a tight ship. Uh, Apparently Christian Horner back in the day said that uh, Renault, like, wants to be first class but are only willing to pay for economy like that they're not really that Mm -hmm. committed to formula one in terms of the financial implications so i gotta say this is definitely not going according to plan like they they want piastri (laughs) this this is definitely not going according to plan (laughs) and i think in terms of their ambitions to fight at the front i'm a little worried about like what's what's going on under the hood now i'm a little worried about that now no, I'm super worried too. I basically all my notes are out the window at this point too because of <laughs> everything that's happened today. But I think like your general sentiment, like yeah, I, I agree with like yes, their race like pace is improving. Yes, they're having good results. But when there's like this level of chaos institutionally, there's like no way you're ever going to succeed. Like right. if you have the person that's supposed to be like the cornerstone of your team, like completely just sort of like leave after some like crazy situation. If you have in addition to that like your driver not actually show up who you thought was going to and like all that, like there was clearly some issues going on. And like, I worry that they might regress a little bit next year at this point. Cause they have mm-hmm. shown like dramatic improvements. They're very clearly, I think the best of the rest at this point mm-hmm. um, this year, like ahead of McLaren, ahead of, you know, Haas, anybody else. Like, I think that they very clearly like shown that improvement, but 
I think it's capped out if there's this level of institutional chaos. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. And I'm actually a little worried about Piastri if he maybe overplayed his hand and said, I'm not racing for Alpine next year when he doesn't actually have that McLaren seat secured. Mm-hmm. And what if... I, <laughs> I know everybody's saying like it's a crying shame that he didn't have a Formula 1 seat this year because he's a uh, Formula 2 champion, Formula 3 champion in back-to-back years, which is in the same breath, basically, as Leclerc and George Russell. So we know... I mean, we're pretty sure he's going to be on that same level, if not better. Um, but I worry that he potentially overplayed his hand a little bit and is already saying, like... Like, if you you got to be... You definitely have to have options or, like, be very confident in your skills that you're turning down an F1 seat. Because there's not that many. Yeah. <laughs> it also just... I don't get it from his perspective, either. Yeah. It's like, this is probably the best seat you're going to get at this point. Like, you're not going to get a Mercedes seat. You're not going to get a Ferrari seat. You're not going to get a Red Bull seat. Mm-hmm. Alpine's P4 in the Constructors' Championship. This is the next best shot you're going to get. And you, like, turn it down. And I don't know. And that's the other thing that... that mistake. And that's the other thing that would worry me, though, from does Renault have their stuff together if mm-hmm. their homegrown talent is turning them down? Then maybe yeah. he doesn't even... And Mark Webber's agent don't even see the long-term plan there. And they're like... McLaren seems to always be, like, the hot name that is, like, next to bring it break into, like, the the upper echelon of formula one and like start fighting Mm -hmm. for wins and titles again. But like I said, I have not yet seen a midfield team actually like turn into a championship contender yet. I guess you could say Ferrari, but I never considered them like, yes, they had that like weird 2020 year and 2020 Ferrari, but yeah, they're Ferrari. Like, so I didn't really ever consider them a a midfield team, you know? No. So I'm, I'm pretty, I'm worried about them now about like, how does how's that shit being run? But, yeah we'll see uh let's go to another team that definitely has no idea what they're doing right now (laughs) um that ferrari have failed to sharpen up their strategy to to their strategy team to the standards of like the red bull and mercedes and i think i think this is my this is me talking right here i think Charles Leclerc should look to leave ferrari at the end of his contract in 2024 Max Verstappen is locked in at Red Bull, but Sergio Perez is only uh, under contract until 2024. George Russell is likely locked in at Mercedes, and Lewis maybe might retire by then. So maybe there's a Mercedes seat or a Red Bull seat open. Lucas, do you think Leclerc should look to leave Ferrari and join another team at the end of the, of the 2024 season? And then kind of just give your, your thoughts on Ferrari in general. So I don't think he should. And I, mm. I would caveat that with like the, the very specific like scenario in which... like maybe that Red Bull seat or maybe the Mercedes seat. Like, I, I think that there's an argument to me there. But that being said, I don't think first Lewis retiring is that likely by the end of 2024. I think he probably still wants that eighth World Drivers' Championship unless that comes in the next two or three years, which I don't know if it will because of the way things are happening. I think he'll probably stay on a little bit longer. Like, if Alonso can go past his 40th birthday, I think Lewis definitely can um, with all his success. But just sort of, like, getting down to, like, the the finer details of it like the ferrari car has the fast has a fast car and maybe the fastest car on the grid and giving that up i think would be a mistake especially when the issues are like mostly strategy related at this point uh, i think strategy issues are much easier to fix than getting a fast car you maybe you mix up the leadership you give Benotto the boot and i think ferrari's issues are solved because they do have one of the fastest cars on the grid and i think it's a mistake to ever give that up if you're charles for Ferrari, generally, the perspective, I mean, first off, I just feel really, really bad for both Leclerc and Sainz. 
because both have proven themselves to be excellent drivers this year that have just been let down by the team. Mm. Um, at some point, this becomes a pattern and the mistakes are unforgivable. And I think we're kind of at that point with Ferrari. You know, when they this past weekend at Hungary, pitting Charles and Carlos out of order and then pitting so early for Charles that he had to go on the hards um, was just like another series of horrific mistakes that happened this past weekend. And I think there needs to be serious changes at the top. And I think that maybe that means Benotto going... Um, he stormed out early this last race and everything too. And so I think that, yeah, there needs to be serious changes at the top because Ferrari's letting down their drivers. I think abs- if Leclerc has not won a title by 2024, I think you absolutely leave. If a Red Bull, if a Red Bull or a Mercedes seat is open, especially particularly if a Mercedes seat is open, 100% mm-hmm. would take that. Red Bull seat, it'd be a little hard because Max Verstappen's always going to be favored at that team. Yeah. But... They're clearly, like, Red Bull has clearly outclassed them in every way, like, pit stops, strategy mm-hmm. calls. Like, mm-hmm. And the troubling thing is that Ferrari are not learning at all from their mistakes. They're still yeah. making weird strategy calls every weekend. And not only the strategy calls, but their car's not, their engine is not reliable. They've had so many mm-hmm. DNFs between them and their customer teams. And yes, yeah. it is easier to make an engine more reliable than to make it faster, Mm-hmm. But at some point, you also you have to figure it out. Red Bull figured it out in like four races. You know, they had those early DNFs, and now I don't yeah. think they have. They Max hasn't had one since since Australia. I don't think. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like you said, it was clear the hard tires were not a good tire. Like they don't pit them under the. Sa- they always come out with weird explanations too for like. Actually, mm-hmm. our simulation showed that the hard tires were were going to be a good tire, and we're going to come into their own. It's like. And Nico Rosberg said this when Ferrari mm. were telling Carlos to pit in the middle of his battle with Checo at the French Grand Prix. Mm. He was like, they're just buried in their computers and not even looking at like what is actually happening on track. Exactly. The hard tires were not a good tire. Like you had Everybody the evidence in front of you. Like mm-hmm. it's like if Crofty is making better strategy calls than than your team, like something hasn't changed. And if they don't change that well enough to the point where you have the fastest car and you have not won a title by the end of the 2024 season, I think Leclerc mm-hmm. should leave. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. You're convincing me a little bit. I don't <laughs> know. I think in my mind, I'm just like, okay, like they have the fastest car. There are things that they can fix, and they're just strategy-related. So I think that if you can sort of like parse those things together, then I feel like you have a chance of success. And maybe part of that is me just like sort of almost relying on the Ferrari brand at this point, where it's yeah. like, oh, like... I think that because they're Ferrari, they'll eventually get it together. But it's been a long time since Ferrari has done anything. And I think I might be just, like, putting too much stock into that at this point. So, right. yeah, I don't know. I just, like, I'm not convinced a seat's going to open up that would be a better opportunity. And I think that's what a lot of this is contingent on. I think Lewis will still be there through the end of 2024. Um, and I think, I don't know. I don't know if, like, Red Bull would want to do, like, a 1A, 1B with like Max Maybe. and yeah, Charles there because I think that like Charles is too good to like to to go into a role where he's clearly second best or not second best but second, the second favorite. favorite of the team yeah. and so like I think yeah like you said I think if it's gonna be any of them it's gonna be Mercedes and that relies on Lewis retiring and I'm just like not convinced that's gonna happen I think he'll I think he'll retire by the 2024 season I think okay. especially if he wins an eighth title yeah, I think he'll retire right after that that I agree with because I think he's so. he's pretty interested, like Vettel and stuff off the track. Where Fernando Alonso mm-hmm. isn't, he like he just wants to race. Fernando Alonso. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think that's why I think Alonso will probably race longer than Lewis does. Um. So I could see Lewis retiring, and yeah, like those mis- the mistakes that Ferrari are making are correctable. 
but like if they haven't corrected it by that time <laughs> by two when years are they, from now, when are they yeah. going to you know what i mean like they haven't learned anything from their dominance within the schumacher years um you know what i mean and maybe it is just mm-hmm. getting a different strategy team maybe shaking stuff up a little bit um because mm-hmm. clearly their fat their team of the factory is pretty good i'm making a fast car they do need to make it reliable but their team of the factory is good um it's just the team of the track i think that kind of needs to step it up a little bit and i don't know maybe hire more red bull employees or something i don't know like they they're yeah. pretty good red bull's pretty yeah. good at strategy they know what they're doing yeah so does Mercedes too. I think Mercedes has just like absolutely outclassed them this year too, to the point where they're almost passing them. Exactly. In the constructors championship displayed a clearly slower car. Exactly. Speaking of Mercedes, mm-hmm. you can have Texas. Mercedes is back. <laughs> Maybe. George Russell took a shock pole position in Hungary, and Mercedes converted that into a double podium for the second race in a row as well. Uh, so Lucas, how many races until we see Mercedes on the top step and like they're officially back? I think we'll see it by the end of the season. I'm not going to make a bold prediction for how many races specifically, but I, I think am. we'll see at least one. Okay, I'm excited for it. I think we'll see it uh, by the end of the season. But even saying that, I'm only going to say there's like a 60% chance that they win it, a race this season at this point. And if we do see it, I think it'll probably be Lewis when we see it, just because I think he's been a little lot better the past few weeks. I think he's got, what, five straight podiums yeah. at this point. Um I was texting you about this the other day, too. The fact that he now has more podiums than Charles Leclerc does is wild based yeah. on, like, um, just, like, the pace of each of their cars so far. Um, but while Mercedes has made solid changes throughout the year, they're clearly competing at a much higher level than they were. They're getting more podiums and stuff like that with the pole with George Russell this past weekend. I th- still think the Ferraris and the Red Bulls are so much faster than the Mercedes um that it's gonna take a combination of a ferrari disaster class where it's just like they just That's have likely. some like which is likely <laughs> so i think that that, that there's like an 80 percent chance of happening um in any one race um and then it's just gonna take max slipping up somehow yeah like i think it's just gonna be as have to be some combination of the ferrari disaster class which will probably happen and that also coinciding with like max's engine failing or just like it being like a rainy race or like something just like weird to throw it off that would prevent Max from winning. Um, but even so, I'm not like super convinced either of those things will happen in conjunction to the point where it's going to, where Mercedes is going to win a race this year. So I think it'll happen by the end of the year, but it's like very tentative, like 55, 60% chance that they win a race by the end of the year. I don't know. What do you think, Jared? I will book that they win another race by the end of this year. Really? Okay. okay. 100%. I, 100%. I think. Okay, so for one, like you were saying, something crazy probably has to happen, but nothing crazy has happened this season yet. We're due for one of those races. Like mm-hmm. like Hungary last year, right, where we had like mm-hmm. half the cars got hit at the start. Lewis yeah. was the only one that started on the restart. You know what I mean? Like we're, mm-hmm. we're due yeah. for one of those races or like Monza last year, Monza even in 2020. We're due mm-hmm. for one of those crazy races and we just haven't had it. Like it's interesting actually because this year's cars have definitely produced better racing but the parody has not really been there in terms of who's gotten a podium. It's only been Ferrari, Mercedes. The, like, wins have only been Red Bull and mm-hmm. Ferrari. Podiums yeah. have only been Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes, and one from Lando. Like, the parody is mm-hmm. not really there at the top, which is kind of no. interesting. Um, mm-hmm. But we are due for a crazy race, one. I also, it just feels like over the summer break, Mercedes is going to unlock something in their car. They've like mm-hmm. committed very. They've like stayed committed to their zero side pod design, and Mercedes strategy director James Vowles 
said they have far, far more upgrades to come. And I'm not convinced that like Red Bull, for example, still have the budget to be able to do that because they upgraded their car a lot at the start of the season. Maybe yeah. Ferrari. Ferrari haven't brought that many upgrades, but um, maybe they won't upgrade the car as much. It seems like Mercedes have figured out how to maneuver around this cost cap strategy and get some good upgrades coming. Um, so obviously they were happy that the cost the cost cap got cost cap got raised, uh, and they're, it seems like they're going to mm-hmm. be- benefit from it. So, in terms of how many more races, I'm going to say four races until they win. Four races. Okay. Yeah. What Grand Prix is that? That would be Singapore. That would be um, Japan, I believe. Okay. So we go we go Spa. There's no mm-hmm. way they there's impossible for them to win that unless unless it rains. There there's no way they won Spa. Yeah. No way. And then they go to the Netherlands, and Max mm-hmm. is going to win that race for sure, I think. Yeah. No, no. Um, then they go to Monza. Again, Monza. if it doesn't mm-hmm. rain, it's impossible for them to win that race, in my opinion. And then I think after that, is it to- is it Japan or Singapore? It's Singapore is next. Okay. Somewhere from Singapore onwards, I think either that fourth or fifth race, they have a good option. Singapore mm-hmm. is like a is a street circuit, so it's like a high. It's it's not a, like a power circuit. You don't need to have like the mm-hmm. most powerful engine which Mercedes usually don't. It's a high downforce track, which I think Mercedes is going to be good at. And it seems like the only constant is that Mercedes are better on like smoother tracks, which I've never seen Singapore. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's not a smooth track, but Japan mm-hmm. is a purpose-built track, so probably a smooth, I would think. Um, yeah. So I think they won't win until Singapore at the earliest, unless it mm-hmm. rains at those previous three races. Singapore at the earliest. I wouldn't be shocked by Tokyo. It seemed like even though like they've been saying Mercedes has trouble firing up their tires, they actually mm-hmm. did better in colder weather in Hungary. So maybe that doesn't actually matter. I don't know. And I feel like it might be kind of cold in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Singapore, I think, is kind of hot at that time. But Japan, it might be a little cooler. I feel like that's where it's going to happen, one of those two races. I can see it. I can also see it at Brazil because I think yeah, like, Lewis has such strong tries to Brazil. He's always just like put in such consistently great performances that, you know, second to last race of the season, Max has wrapped up the World Drivers Championship probably at that point. Maybe not. Red Bull's not making as aggressive calls on stuff. Mm-hmm. It's one of Lewis's best tracks. He goes to win there. Do you think it's Lewis if it's one of the two of them or do you think it could be George? I would lean Lewis probably, but no, I, I wouldn't be shocked if it was George either. I mean, he was the one that got the pole, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And he's been he's ahead of Lewis in the driver's standings. He's been really good, but mm-hmm. I guess I'll you know at that time, a point I'm going to lean towards the seven time world champion at that point. I will too. I think just because the consistency he's put in the last five races with five podiums, like I think he's like sort of found his groove in the car after the you know initial struggles that there were. Yeah, I think he's also probably found. I always hate to question motivation, but I think he's found a little bit more motivation as well towards the uh, yeah. the middle of the season as the car is getting better. I agree with that too. Um, a follow-up question I wanted to ask: Do you think there's any chance we see some tension between George and Lewis? No, no way. They both just seem like too good of guys to have that happen. But I don't know. Uh, there's gonna be tension. There was tension between him so? and him and Nico, and they were childhood friends. Lewis and That's Nico. That's true. That's true. I think once they start know. fighting for wins, there's no tension mm-hmm. between your teammates when you're just fighting for podiums. Mm-hmm. When they're fighting for race wins and maybe championship next year. There's gonna sparks are gonna fly, I think. Okay. I'm not because not because they're happens. mean. I'm not convinced. Not, not because yeah. they're like mean or anything, but I just think uh, they're they're both gonna want to win. Like George mm-hmm. wanting to get his first title. Like we saw how mm-hmm. aggressive Max was last year when he was trying yeah. to get his first title, and he's kind of tamed down mm-hmm. a little bit now that he's like bagged that. But then mm-hmm. also Lewis trying to get the record eighth title. 
I wouldn't yeah. be shocked if he's more aggressive too if they're fighting for a championship and maybe like his last chance potentially. Mm-hmm. I think what next year if they're fighting for race wins, it's get, it'll be a, it'll be a rivalry and I think it'll be fun. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for the drive to survive on it too. Yeah, exactly. I think it'll be good content. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we're gonna wrap it up with. Uh, a little bit of first Carlos Sainz talk. Jared, I know you just want to go off to uh, just celebrate his maiden win. So what would you like to say? Okay, first off, there's, there was a big narrative at the start of the season that Carlos couldn't cope with the pressure mm-hmm. out of top team, which I feel like has been just thoroughly debunked throughout this season. When you look at how remarkably consistent he's been mm-hmm. for the things that are in his control. So like everybody was making a big deal about how, oh, George Russell has finished like P5 before the British Grand Prix he had finished in P5 or better at every race. Yeah. Well, if you take out Carlos's DNFs, he's done the same thing. So yeah. I mean, he's been also remarkably consistent. In fact, <laughs> if we look at converting a race finish, a race that you finished into a podium, Max mm-hmm. Verstappen's the only driver that's been better at that than Carlos. So if you look at it this year, Max has finished 11 races, he's been on the podium 10 times, so that's 91% right there. Very good. That's crazy. Next percentage is Carlos. He's second. He's got six podiums on nine races finished. So he's had four DNFs. Three of which, by the way, were like just completely out of his control. The only mm-hmm. DNF that I'd say was in his control was Australia when he went to the gravel and beached himself there. The other ones, he either got hit or his car literally just failed him or like almost blew up in Austria, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So 67% of his races that he finished are podiums. Um, and, his, and like I said, he got a fourth place in Spain. He got um, a f- another fourth place in Hungary and like a fifth place in France because he started at the back of the grid. So, mm-hmm. very good. Next is Sergio at 60%. Six out of mm-hmm. 10 races finishes. Leclerc, five out of 10 races. Lewis, mm-hmm. even though he has six podiums, he's finished every race, so his percentage is a little lower. So yeah. for the things that are in his control, Carlos has done amazing, in my opinion. And then here's where the blue-collar part comes in here. Is he just works hard. Like He's closed that, gu- he's closed that gap to Leclerc to the point where he's even out qualifying him now like he did he in Hungary, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the gap was really close in Austria as well. It was less than a tenth there. And I think he he's maybe was even the fastest driver in France, but he just had to give Carlos a, or Charles a toe because mm-hmm. he was going to have the engine penalty anyway. So he's getting he's a hard worker. He's getting better. Other blue collar is there were questions on this podcast, I'm going to say who, about whether Sainz had say. that dog in him. <laughs> Defying <laughs> team orders. At Silverstone mm-hmm. to win his maiden F1 Grand Prix shows he that's absolutely it. had that dog in him, and that's that's sticking it to the man. That's super blue collar, and mm-hmm. I love. I feel like this is going to become a, like an instant classic line. Stop inventing from the smooth mm-hmm. operator. I loved that when he said, "Come on, guys, I'm under pressure to stop inventing. I'm going to go win, win this race." So not only does he have to compete against other drivers, he has to compete against his own engine being reliable mm-hmm. and his strategists, mm-hmm. and he's overcoming all of it. He just he's just a hard worker. He keeps improving. Like he's he's beating Leclerc on pure pace sometimes in qualifying, like I said. Mm-hmm. He's gotta improve a little bit on race pace. Leclerc's definitely like thoroughly hasn't beat there. But I'm like super I'm I'm proud of Carlos. I think he's had a really good season and been really consistent mm-hmm. and the narrative that like he couldn't cope with the pressure is just completely wrong. 
Yeah, I think I think I agree, and I think we've said it before on the podcast. There's nothing more blue collar than sticking it to the man. Yeah, and Carlos did that, so he like fits in perfectly. So I think it's a good choice, and I, I, I'm actually very happy, despite all the questioning I've had of him, that he has proven himself that he got the win, and that I think he's like on pretty level playing field with Charles Leclerc at this point, which I would not have predicted at all at the beginning of the year. Yeah. That being said, I don't agree with that blue collar driver of the week. I do have my own. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to go with George Russell. Okay. Um, I think that there's something just that distills the blue collar energy of like, um, driving really Mercedes. just like slow. Of, <laughs> yes, driving a Mercedes. <laughs> no, 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 no. Of like, of like, just slowly but surely working your way to the top. And I think that that was almost the pinnacle of that with George Russell this weekend. Yes, he didn't win the race. I am aware of that. But he got the pole. Even his pole. There's something about it that just like has that essence because <laughs> he didn't have any purple sectors. He wasn't best yeah. in any single sector, but he was so good across them, so consistent that he got the pole. So something about that that screams blue collar driver of the week to me. Plus, he's got back to back podiums. He's had that really steady rise to the top. So for that reason, he's my blue collar driver of the week, despite the Mercedes. He can be the blue collar driver of the week, but Carlos is the blue collar driver of the half of the first. Okay, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. All right. He gets that that greater title. Yeah. All right. Sweet. Let's get. We're gonna end it as we always do on pit stop episodes with a flying lap, mm-hmm. and just some stray observations we haven't discussed yet. Lucas, why don't you just go ahead and go through some of yours? All right. I have three. Cool. Um. One. Don't cut away from battles on the TV broadcast. It happened a lot this past weekend, and I'm like, okay, well, I guess that doesn't matter anymore, even though I've been invested in for the past few laps. So that's one thing. Uh, second thing, Lewis Hamilton becoming an o- owner of the Denver Broncos. We Very love cool. F1 and football crossovers, so pretty cool Lewis is doing that. I support it. And three, just more evidence that F1 is growing like crazy. I was on a train in New Jersey this past weekend, 9 a.m. watching. The guy in the seat right in front of me also watching F1 on his phone. Really? So, I That's don't know. sick. Yeah. So those are my three flying laps. My last little three takeaways from this week. What about you? What do you have? Um, I only have one now because you, you took one of mine. As I also agree, the camera direction in Hungary especially was just atrocious. They're, they're infatuated, first off, with the helmet cam, which I've been railing against this entire year. I think it's fine for practice, but what were you going to say? Yeah, okay, so I was watching, I think it was FP1 or FP2. Mm-hmm. They had the foot cam <laughs> yes. in Danny Rick's car. Yeah. Like, it was just like him pressing the throttle, and yeah. they break, and I'm like, I don't really need this, you know? I don't either. It's I like when they put the graphic on the halo of, like, when they're using the throttle and when they're using the brake. I think that's yeah, cool, yeah. but, like, uh-huh. yeah, we don't need a foot cam. The helmet cam is fine in FP1, but, like, not in the race when somebody's about to overtake. I don't want to see that. I want to see the whole yeah. overtake. And stop cutting to, like, the fan view, like, fans in the stands camera angle in the middle of an overtake. They did that so many mm-hmm. times in Hungary. Really annoying. Like, My last yeah. flying lap observation is that Anytime Max Verstappen makes a mistake, Barton Brundle never thinks it's a driver error. So, like, back in Barcelona, when Max slid into the gravel, he was like, oh, it must have been a gust of wind that pushed him out there. <laughs> Even though it was driver error for young Carlos Sainz, just, like, a little inexperience or whatever. I don't remember exactly what he said, but he said it was a gust of wind when Max went into the gravel. Then in Hungary, when Max had that admittedly pretty cool 360 spin, he did execute it yeah. really well. It was Uh a drop. There must have been a drop of water on the track, according to Martin Brundle. It it just couldn't be a driver error, which I do think is really funny. Like, yes, Max Verstappen might be the best, like, pure driver on the grid right now. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, he does make mistakes. Mr. Mr. Brundle. (laughs) Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. That's what I've all learned. 
I just but, think it's you know what is perfect. He never thinks it's a driver error. Go ahead. Exactly. No, I agree. I was gonna say, you know what is perfect though? This podcast. There you go. So you should keep tuning in week after week. We got our weekly show. We're taking a week off this week from that, but it'll be back next week. Don't worry. And we have pit stop, which is our our F one stuff. So if you want to keep up tabs on that make sure you're subscribed on apple Podcasts, on soundcloud on spotify rate us five stars follow us on all our social media um at lunchpail guys underscore on instagram on tiktok and on twitter and we'll see you next week